0: Hey there, I'm Daphna Chazen, registered dietitian and weight loss coach, and you're listening to the Down to Earth PCOS Nutrition Podcast, a place for practical advice for women looking to balance their hormones, ditch dieting, and discover mindset shifts that will keep you motivated and empowered on your healthy eating journey. Are you ready to get started? Well, hello there, and welcome back to another episode of the Down to Earth PCOS Nutrition Podcast. I hope you're doing well, feeling well, and excited about today's episode because I sure am. I have a wonderful guest that I'm really honored to have on the program. Her name is Dr. Dylan Cutler. She is an online consultant who empowers women with PCOS to achieve hormonal balance, regulate periods, enhance fertility, improve their mood, and gain body confidence all without dieting or using pills. She has her PhD in obstetrics and gynecology, specializing in lifestyle changes for PCOS. She's also a holistic health content creator and food photographer, fitness enthusiast, feminist, vegan, and PCOS fighter herself. So She's a wealth of knowledge, and I highly encourage you to go check out her stuff, her resources, her Instagram page. But for now, without any further ado, let's get into my conversation with Dr. Dylan Cutler. Dr. Cutler, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. So as I said in my intro... Um, I'm really honored and excited to have you here today because you um, are such a resource for women with PCOS. Of course, you have your own healing journey, but at the same time, you are so active in research in this field and you provide a lot of resources and support for women throughout the healing journey on so many different levels. So I'm really excited to dive into all of that, get your perspective about some of the things that I know my listeners are struggling with. Um, so would you mind giving us a little bit of an introduction, tell us who you are and what you do, and maybe a little bit about your own PCOS journey as well? Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, so I, I'll i start with where uh, I was diagnosed with PCOS when I was 16. And I, I, I remember feeling very lost and confused. Um, and really heartbroken too. I was told that I wouldn't be able to have children, um, as a lot of people are told with PCOS. Um, and I was just—I was crushed. I thought that this was something that I like. I felt like a victim. That this was something that I was going to have my whole life, and that no one was going to understand me. And if I went to family functions, I wouldn't be able to eat what other people were eating, and I would have to explain myself, and it would be this huge deal. And that was really overwhelming as a 16-year-old. Um, but I, I, I guess at the time, I managed that through exercise and eating well, or what I thought was eating well at the time. Um, unfortunately, it was very restrictive. Um, I was exercising way too much and I was eating way too little. So that drove an eating disorder. So on top of PCOS, where the doctors were telling me that I had to lose weight and um, exercise more, eat less. And then on top of that, I now was diagnosed with an eating disorder. Um, so that just complicated matters even more. And I I continued this healing journey, and I found myself um, pursuing medicine. I always wanted to go into medicine. I didn't know what area. I just knew that I wanted to help people. I then the more I learned about the lack of research and lack of um, support for other women with PCOS and that it wasn't just me, that's when I realized, wow, there's a huge gap here. Um, and so many women are experiencing what I'm experiencing. So I, this felt like my calling. It felt like I need to conduct this research so that we can understand this condition better. Um, and so that's why I, start, I pursued
0: a PhD in PCOS. And were you still going through your healing journey when you were in school? Was were, were the two things happening at the same time for you? Yeah, totally. I mean, there's been phases.
1: I was... The physical aspects I had fairly down pat, like as I was going through medical school, it was more the mental aspects that I had not addressed. And then they started to come in like anxiety, um, depression, Um any sort of, um, some triggers, like triggers going back to my eating disorder, those always kind of come up when we're living in diet culture, I feel. Mm-hmm. So uh, So yeah, I started, then, you know, my research also looked at the psychological impact of PCOS because that was my experience as well. Um, even though I had the physical <laughs> symptoms under control um, in, in my head, I was I was very unwell.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure the stress and the you know the rigorous training that you were going through and just trying to keep up with everything contributed to that as well. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> it's a very grueling process. Um, we talk about self care and putting ourselves first, and there isn't really any of that in uh, medical training. It's really uh, you're here to to do a job and, and you know improve your skills and training and help other people um, and sometimes we have to help ourselves
0: first. <laughs> right. Yeah. And were the psychological symptoms that you were having um, also contributing to anything physically or did you feel like it was mostly like you were struggling more on the emotional level at that point?
1: I know that when I'm under a lot of stress, like for example, this pandemic, um, my PCOS symptoms flare. Uh, things like like a little thicker hirsutism, um, a little more acne, yeah. uh, those kind of, yeah, those were the two for me. So, um, even in the last few months or starting more, definitely more at the beginning, like or March, April, um, I felt really just my system was, was not functioning as it has been for the last like maybe eight or so years where I felt fairly under control. Um, and yeah, but I I know now that the self compassion piece, which is okay, we're in this situation that we've never been in before, could not have planned for it. Um, this is okay to have flare ups. It doesn't mean I suck at managing PCOS or I, you know, I'm failing. Um, so that's that's the piece that I really encourage my clients is. Yes, we are going to have setbacks, um, but how we respond to that, are we going to be kind to ourselves or are we going to beat ourselves up and just like just make the cycle worse?
0: Yeah, I see that a lot too with my clients. And I think a lot of women in general can relate to this like just being too hard on ourselves where we wouldn't necessarily have those same thoughts or beliefs around other people, what other people are doing. But when we do it, you know, it's sometimes we really catastrophize like how well we're doing like we think it's it's terrible it's 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 failing you know so how did you manage that like what kind of things when you were you know, feeling anxious or when you were experiencing depression, what has helped you come out of that? Because I know a lot of my listeners are in that place and they could be in and out of it. But yeah, there are triggers or situations that happen outside of our control, like the pandemic, that will bring that back, right? They'll, they'll make all those Definitely. feelings flare up again. So how how are you managing that now when you feel yeah. like you're going back to that?
1: Yeah, I have... I have a lot of tools. I kind of call it my, you know, my self-help toolbox. And I think everyone needs some kind of toolbox, whether it's like literal things that remind you of, of the tools you have or more of a a, a mental framework of your toolbox. But it, I also just want to say it's going to depend on the level of anxiety and depression. Um, there's It's one thing to have a few moments of anxiety and to um, to meditate and to... We go to the beach and then we feel better. But having a you know severe anxiety disorder or depression is is going to be a lot more intensive. Mm-hmm. So I was in that place where it was mm, multiple panic attacks a day, uh, every day for a month. Um, that was midway through my PhD. So all all the meditation and yoga and journaling in the world was not supporting me. Um, at that time I turned to uh, antidepressants, which I was very against as a holistic health provider. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to do it the holistic way, um, but that wasn't working for me. I was at such a severe range. I was in the 99th, 99th percentile of depression and anxiety and panic. <laughs> So, to, for me to function on a daily basis, I needed that serotonin. So that's what I did. And then when I I got off those um, about a year ago, I transitioned to um, CBD. It is uh, really helping me now. I'm still meditating daily, yoga, um, yoga for really for my mind, less so than my body. Um, of course it helps the body, but it's really, a, the practice itself mm-hmm. that I'd use it for. Um, and then of course, movement, um, and nourishing food that those are givens, um, being in nature, having a support network, yeah. um, being aware of people in your network that are not as supportive and, and how we're going to, you know, manage that. Are we going to set boundaries? Are we going to decided this is like, it's not a healthy relationship for us, those sorts of things.
0: Yeah. And I think to your point, being self-compassionate also means that you are going to need to use a medication sometime, right? You are going yeah. to take help sometimes. So that's part of it as well. I don't think it's either or. So that's a, a really good point as well. Yeah, totally. Um, so you touched a little bit about nourishing foods and nutrition Um, could you tell my listeners a little bit about what are your, you know, nutritional guidelines, like the principles that you follow? I know that you follow a plant-based diet and have been doing so for a long time. Can you tell me a little bit both about your personal experience and then what you found through research on the benefits of uh, plant-based diets for PCOS? For sure. Yeah. So I
1: definitely advocate for plant-based, um, I start with suggesting eat more plants, eat more whole foods, um, and that will push out the unprocessed um, products. Uh, the like to decrease our animal product consumption mm-hmm. for ourselves, but also for the planet. Um, and the research um, that I did specifically found I, I looked at a group of 150 women um, at a fertility clinic um, and. About half of them had PCOS and half of them did not. And then I assessed their dietary intakes, um, and I found that the women that had um, higher levels of or higher intakes of fiber were um, had much better scores as in terms of insulin um, and androgens. Mm-hmm. So fiber is really coming from plants and whole foods. Um, we're not getting fat fiber from. Animal products, so a very meat-heavy diet is not is going to be low in fiber. So that's where this plant-based eating can be so effective: um, is the fiber content,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: as well as antioxidants and vitamins, which are just a, a plenty if we're eating uh, fruits and vegetables.
0: Yeah, and so, there's yeah. also some studies to show, you know, the, on the other side supporting it, but from a different direction that. Reducing inflammation through reducing animal products is something that could be super beneficial as well, right? Absolutely, yeah. So then,
1: from uh, previous research, which was uh, so so not my own work, but why I originally turned to a plant based diet maybe ten years ago, um, was really the research in diabetes and insulin resistance, which are so prevalent in the PCOS population. Um, and it's really the closest condition we have to. Um, to to look at if we're going to try and treat PCOS because the reality is we don't have enough research in PCOS right now um, and certainly not in nutrition. So we can't rely on pure studies in women with PCOS to guide our nutritional um, guidelines. We just don't have enough right now due to funding, which is really unfortunate. But So I turn to other um, very similar conditions like metabolic syndrome and diabetes. And that's where we see that this um, reduction in animal products can reduce inflammation, reduce insulin um, as well. And in the long term, this can prevent type 2 diabetes and even reverse it in some cases.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I recently did an interview. It didn't air yet with um, Robbie Barbero from Mastering Diabetes. In... Yeah, I love them. Yeah, so he shared a lot of you know the research they looked at for their book all around um, insulin resistance and plant based diets. And um, he was saying that, you know, insulin dependent diabetics are the perfect, perfect, in quotes, um, people to test that concept in because we know exactly they're getting all their insulin, you know, from an outside source. So th- we talked a little bit about how much research is around um, carbs not being the issue, but rather, you know, Um, saturated fat and animal products and things like that. So there's definitely good research around that. So when you, yeah, when you were doing the transition into, did you go like right into a plant-based diet at the time or were you slowly transitioning into it?
1: Um, It was slow, but starting since I was 12 or 13. Um, And that was for uh, digestive issues I had going on. I have IBS, um C, um, which is the, the constipation IBS. So that started, I mean, I, I guess I had it since I was a baby, um, according to my parents. And then it was really, really troublesome when I was in a kind of elementary school, middle school. I just was in so much pain, usually after dinner. And I found like I I remember telling my parents that I felt like my my stomach hurt after I ate meat, like eating like red meat. So, I stopped eating red meat. I told my mom I didn't want to eat red meat anymore. That was when I was twelve. Um, and that really helped my digestion. Um, and then the next thing was um was chicken. I was still feeling this really um like it just wasn't going anywhere. It was just like a rock in my stomach which Yeah. Really felt um and I would be it would be so painful i would I would be on the floor clutching my stomach or just on the couch for the rest of the night um so. So those were the first two. And then um, I continued to have dairy and fish. Um, in hindsight, I wish I had learned more about dairy sooner because dairy is, if I were going to suggest one thing for reducing inflammation, um, especially if people have acne, then dairy would be what I would suggest to limit. Um, and that is what I do uh, with women with PCRs. So so yeah, then it was, um, wasn't until a college when I was 21 um, when I decided to go vegan. Um, and so that was removing like the, the dairy and fish. Um, and then since then now it's been eight and a half years.
0: Wow. And I bet that, you know, just not being, um, really restricted, which is another thing that I spoke about previously a lot is just like you, when you're including the right quality foods and the right types of foods, you don't really have to worry about quantity. You don't really have to worry about things like calories and, and, and all that kind of stuff, because everything that you're eating, your body knows what to do with it's, it's natural, it's not processed. And that is really going to be helpful on your relationship with food on that, you know, on the on the mental aspect of it.
1: Yeah, it definitely helps heal my eating disorder, and that's partly why I'm so passionate about plant based eating. Is because um, similar to the theory, I know um, the Mastering Diabetes guy sent me their their book, and it's so similar to the protocol I use for PCOS, and it's um, and it's about when we increase these really nourishing um, dent, nutrient-dense foods um, that are coming from the ground or the tree. So they're in their like holiest form. Um, we're getting so many nutrients that we can fill up on them and we don't need to count calories. We don't need to count macros. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I found that really stressful. I mean, that's where, that's the point I was that was, you know, in school, I'd be writing my caloric intakes in my notes like for the day instead of focusing on my studies. So that just breaks my heart. And I know that there are women out out there and men too that are doing that. Um, And it just takes so much mental capacity. And I just think we need our mental capacity elsewhere right now in this world. (laughs) Um, There's a lot, we're trying to fight a lot of injustices. And I don't think that counting calories is part of that. I think if we were to eat this, you know, all the colors of the rainbow, um, that's a much more vibrant and abundant way of living.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that a hundred percent. So going back to, so since we're on the topic of counting calories and everything that's unhelpful about that, what do you think, it sounds like you healed yourself through a, you know, a process and a lot of women are trying to go through this process, but you know, um, not everyone has the resource or the access to good providers and to good information, and there's a lot of misconceptions. So a lot of women get, you know, unhelpful, let's say, advice from their doctor. Um, what do you feel are the biggest kind of misconceptions or, let's say, unhelpful messages women get from doctors around PCOS? Yeah, of course. I think I think
1: the weight loss is the biggest thing. I think it immediately draws attention to our our bodies and our our outward image and perception um in a world where we have we're already crit- ridiculed and criticized for our bodies whether we're too big or curvy or thin or don't have big enough whatever like it's right. we're already in a a microscope um and see images everywhere of what we're supposed to look like so I think that that feeds into this. Um, while it's like intended to be to, for health, um, we can't. We I don't think we can truly seek health in a holistic sense, like mental and physical health, when the main goal is weight loss. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that. An issue for me, weight loss is only is a side effect of a healthy lifestyle. That's how I like to think of it. If we're living um, a healthy, nourishing lifestyle, then weight loss, like it will happen. Um, Will come. Our body will adapt to the body that is best, like healthiest for us. Mm -hmm. um, If all the other pieces are in place, right. And then, so weight loss. Then I think also just um, using the birth control pill. um, So so rampantly <laughs> as a way to um, to regulate cycles when we're not really regulating anything. It's really a mask of what's going on. Um, so the inevitable will come when you want to get off birth control and then you're still in the same situation as before, if not worse. So I would like to see more education um, around what birth control, like the options. So we, we can decide for ourselves that this is a good option for us or not um, instead of being prescribed this like, really serious um, pill.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's something that's definitely common. And I do believe that it's a matter of education. Like everyone can choose whatever they think would work for them, whether it is going on the pill or not. Um, but the fact that it's given as this like, you know, one approach, one solution and to, for everyone and for every problem, um, you know, women really struggle with that, not knowing, not having the right tools and education around what is this really doing for my body? What can I expect when I need to, you know, what's, what's going to happen in the future, right? So there's, there's maybe an impact now that is mm-hmm. positive yeah, for some exactly. women, but what's going to happen later on. So I wanted to jump into talking, um, uh, you know, around the conversation of birth control and helping women restore their periods and, um, you know, get healthier with PCOS. Um, I wanted to talk about your protocols and what you use for androgens for reducing male hormones.
1: Yeah. So with androgens, the, the root cause, could be multiple, there could be multiple root causes um sometimes it comes down to inflammation other times it's the insulin um hyperinsulinemia or insulin resistance um and then there could also be an adrenal factor um as well so it's it's gonna depend on the individual um it really i i take a again like a whole lifestyle approach so With the plant-based diets, we actually know that a vegetarian um, diet can reduce testosterone as well as uh, reducing stress um, because often that I find that women are so stressed. um, I think we all are right now, but really stress and androgens are so intertwined. And um, some of the research that I did looking at anxiety and depression um, and stress Showed that the levels of androgens such as testosterone and androstenedione uh, were elevated um, in the women that had this higher anxiety. Uh, so we don't really know like which is which comes first, like the chicken or the egg. But um, we we do know that they're linked. Mm-hmm. So uh, to so my approach is you know approach both approach the, the stress um, as well as the androgens. So then th- we could do this through. Um, some supplements as well. Spearmint tea is is just a nice addition because there are studies that it can decrease hercetism. Um, so yeah, it's really a
0: a full body, full lifestyle
1: approach. Mm-hmm.
0: So it sounds like you have to really identify what's causing. Um, because it could be testosterone coming from the ovaries. Like you said, it could be something more adrenal-based. So there could be different root causes of high androgens and they're not all the same. So it really takes an individualized approach. Is that something that you help your clients with, with um, testing or do you look at symptoms and testing at the same time and kind of help them?
1: Yes. So I I mostly look at symptoms and also in in hearing their experiences. I think that listening can... Can tell me a lot um, about what's going on. As far as if they, as far as blood work, if they have blood work, that's even better. I just don't, I don't require it, mm-hmm. um, as it's a, it's a barrier um, for some people. So um, if it's there, then that is it really helpful. But I think symptoms tell us a lot, and in the end, I want, I want people to feel better. I want the, um, I want to address their biggest pain points and we can usually do that through
0: through a conversation and then um, some small lifestyle adjustments. Mm-hmm. You spoke about the chicken and the egg. And I think this is something that's very common with PCOS. Sometimes we don't know if something is the cause or the outcome of you know either hormonal imbalances or other things that are going on. And I see this a lot with what we talked about in the beginning with stress and hormones. So can you talk a little bit about from either research or from your experience working with clients about the connection between hormone imbalances and stress and how it can, like, there's this back and forth relationship between, you know, more yeah. psychological symptoms and physical ones.
1: Yeah, it's so complex. And this was actually a, a really challenging, probably the most challenging part about, uh, finishing a PhD in PCOS because you need to, you need to, um, Prove that you are an expert in this field, and this field is so complex. And we don't we the research itself contradicts contradicts itself as far as what comes first. Um, is it the stress, or you know, is it our outside factors, or is it the internal factors that are then causing the the stress and anxiety? Um, are we born with it, or is it does it come later in life? We don't know any of this. There's all these theories. So my defense was really like, these are all the theories and, you know, this is what the best we can do with all this information. And we really need more research. Um, but to, to go into specifics, um, cortisol is a very important hormone for um, when it comes to stress and stress management. And we find that, um, I mean, this is how we can connect... Um, our brain to like our brain is connected through to our ovaries, um, so it's really cortisol that is going to be um, in, elevated if we have, for example, elevated insulin um, or elevated androgens. Um, it's all coming from some, same place, um, so that's why if we were to meditate or to change how our brain is wired, which is essentially what meditation does, um, it does have this downstream effect. Which could, in theory, reduce um, cortisol production.
0: Mm-hmm. And when you got into meditation, how did you like? If someone is interested in it, but they don't know how to get started, because it's something that I see come up a lot. Like women mm-hmm. hear about the benefits of meditations, they, meditation, they know it's it could be beneficial for hormone hormone balance, but they're unsure. I think it's a little intimidating for someone who's not practiced in it. To know how to get started or what to do, so what would you yeah, recommend?
1: Totally, I think number one is understanding the science on some level um, to to believe it, because I I I think if we don't believe in something, then it's not going to work. Um, so we have to know the why as to why we're doing something, as opposed to just like so and so said, I should do this, so I should do this. It doesn't it doesn't register on a a whole body level. Um so to know the why. So very brief, like, you know, just so it doesn't have to be hardcore bio, biology, but um to to know that there is some basis to why why we're doing this. And then um to start really small. So I suggest like 10 minutes a day. There's so many podcasts. Even YouTube um has short meditations and you can see the time. So you can be like, okay, I, it's 12 minutes. I can totally do that. Um, and If it's, if you also not to beat ourselves up, if we can't, if we don't make it through that, or if our mind wanders, because that is what happens in meditation, our mind does wander. um, And that's the whole idea why we're doing it. So to take away that judgment of being good or bad at meditation, Mm -hmm. that's the whole point is this non-judgment, non-judgmental approach. Um, to both meditation, but then to also our lives. So um, so yeah, just start really small. I say 10 minutes in the morning or in the evening um, and to make it a habit and then build up when um, when you feel ready or um, maybe really in- starting to enjoy this um, space, which is what I found. I, I started to find I really enjoyed it. I um, would start to journal too because thoughts would come to me after. So this good kind of like they worked in
0: tandem with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, like you said, if you believe in something and you practice it from a place of wanting to do it, you know, for your body, not for any external thing, but for, you know, the benefits, I think then you become motivated to get better at it. But it, it, it's a process, it takes practice.
1: Totally. Yeah. And we know the placebo effect is real. So whether that, you know, we can use that to our benefit um, for, for anything.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I also think that, you know, like you said, being self-compassionate is not just saying, um, you know, giving yourself more opportunities to get better at something is to actually know it's supposed to be hard in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, it, it's supposed to be challenging. It's it, you know sometimes it, it takes time for you to get used to something new, and it, the fact that something could feel hard doesn't mean that you're doing it wrong. It means that you're you know getting better better at it and practicing it and learning the process of it. So,
1: and also that we really need it. I think I was um, I remember I was really against yoga. Um, specifically because it felt so slow and I came from an athletic background and like a go 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 cardio lift sweat a lot and then to practice yoga I just was just waiting for something to happen and I I just felt I felt so uncomfortable I just wanted to leave um and to me I realized I need this like I am I'm this type a like like very driven and I'm I'm always on to the next thing, always looking ahead. And that was also part of my um, PCOS healing journey was to be more in the present. And so that discomfort was telling me that I needed to be there.
0: Yeah, I love that. I think that's so valuable. Yeah, a lot of women, I think, need to hear that. So thank you for saying that. You're welcome. (laughs) I want to ask you as a researcher on a broader level Kind of to wrap up our conversation, where do you think um, we need? I know all PCOS, all aspects of this condition are complex and need more work and more research, but what do you think, I'm curious, as a researcher, are the biggest priorities to study right now for PCOS? Ooh,
1: that's like such a big one. Um, (laughs) I I definitely like a more of a lifestyle based approach. Um, We're seeing I still see a lot of research trying to find a cure. And I just think it's very, the direction is, is not the direction we need to go in because it is, there isn't going to be one cure because it's such a diverse um, syndrome. We have so many types. Um, there's probably even types we aren't aware of, like you know mild types um, of PCOS. Um, that are not getting, they're still not getting diagnosed. So um, so to t- take more of a, a well-balanced like, lifestyle approach, we need more um, research in, into nutrition, into lifestyle, um, the mental health aspects, um, moving away from weight bias, because we're really driving more eating disorders in this community. So um, there's so much, even even the use of um, BMI um, in research is is really I- irrelevant in a lot of cases and doesn't look at um, a person's health. So, right. so yeah, there's a, there's a lot of gaps um, right now, and the funding. Unfortunately, it starts with funding, which is we're going higher up to. People in power, and um, so yeah, it, it really stop, starts at the top, and um, th- that's where we need to uh, advocate for for more PCOS knowledge in the general public.
0: And where do you have any resources that you know women can check out if they wanted to become more active with advocacy work for PCOS? I can link to them in the show notes. So
1: the PCOS Association um, is a really good place to start. Um, I, I believe it's the biggest nonprofit. Um, and the founder is amazing. Um, they had their first PCOS con last, um, year that I spoke at and that was in Washington DC and that was a lot of fun. So there's going to be another one. Um, not this year, but next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and
0: so yeah, I would start with there and they have resources to link out. Okay, great. I'll do that in the show notes. Um, any final thoughts you want to leave us off with or resources, or maybe tell people where they can find your work and learn more about you?
1: Sure. Yeah. Um,
0: I'm just, today I've been thinking a lot about
1: joy and finding joy, um, in while living with PCOS. And that's really important to me because I think we get in this victim mindset where everything sucks and everything is so hard, and it's like why, why me? And these thinking, this way of thinking um, doesn't doesn't help us heal. So to to look to joy and to to find joy in our lives again, that's really my goal and dream for everyone with PCS. Um, and where to find me? I'm on Instagram, Dr. Dot Dylan Cutler, and she, I'm. I'm open there to messages. Um, I also can um, book clients for online consultations uh, wherever they are in the world, um, as well as an ebook with lots of recipes.
0: Oh, awesome. Dylan, yeah. thank, thank you so much. I really appreciate you being here. And I will link to all of that in the show notes so my listeners awesome. can check it all out. Thanks thank you so much. much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed the interview and I've found a lot of great insights, strategies, and information in what we discussed today. For more information, please visit the show notes below so you can get all the details, links, and recommendations that were discussed today. And if you like this podcast and what you've heard today, leave a review and subscribe to the show so you never miss when new episodes are out and you also help more people find this information. I'll be here again next week with a new episode. Until then, be well. Bye for now.